Father, Lord, truly it's in our heart to praise you, Lord, to thank you for all that you've done for us, Father, in our lives. Where would we be, Lord, if it wasn't for your grace and mercy, Lord? Lord, we'd be no doubt in a gutter somewhere or some pin slop of the world, Lord, but God, we're so thankful to be called your children, your sons and daughters, Lord. Father, we ask that you'd bless us tonight, Lord. Just speak to our hearts and lives and just help us, Father, by your grace, Lord, and to come and just minister something to strengthen the hearts that are gathered here tonight. Lord, remember Sister Diane Seminelli, Lord, that's sick as well today, Lord. Ask God that you would just touch her for a pray. All the sick that's among us, Lord, Sister Kayla as well. God, we just ask you to touch them, we pray. Minister to them, Lord. They would love to be here, no doubt, and be in the presence of God and with your people. But God, we just ask that you would strengthen them in this time. We commit the service to your hands, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's turn to Judges chapter 16. Amen. Just speak to you on the thought of the renewing of your vow. I uh, actually spoke this in Florida while I was gone and just felt to bring it tonight. It's, it's a good first service of the new, or first sermon of the new year. And so, uh, amen. I, I believe we all could make a full renewal to God and. And we're going to serve him more and love him more and give more of our life to him. Judges chapter 16 and verse 15. I'm just going to pick up in the middle here of where Samson is with Delilah. And says, and she said unto him, how canst thou say I love thee with thine, when thine heart is not with me? Thou hast mocked me these three times and hast not told me wherein thy great strength lieth. And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death, that he told her all his heart and said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. And if I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I will become weak and be like any other man." And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he has showed me all of his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hand. And she made him sleep upon her knees, and she called for a man, and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. And she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. And she said, The Philistines... Be upon thee, Samson. He awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as the other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord had, was departed from him. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza uh, and bound him with fetters of brass. And he did grind in the prison house. Amen. We'll let you be seated this evening. <clears throat> Now we understand and know from, from being Bible students that Samson was, was called to be a Nazarite. It was a decision, and, and, and it was a, as the word speaks of, it was a decision made to be separated or consecrated. 
Amen. And, and, and we can see in his life as this is what he was called to from birth. Now, not everyone would have this call by God from birth, but there'd be others you could read about there. And I believe it's in Deuteronomy or somewhere where it's written. I was looking at it the other day of, of the law of the Nazarite. And you could actually make this by choice. But we know Samson was given this decree from birth and it was to be separated or consecrated. And, and, you know, this Nazarite vow, as we said, we could find it there in the Old Testament. But there's also, it's also in, there's a parallel in the New Testament. Just as there, there's a people in that day that was called to be Nazarites, there's a people in this day called to be Nazarites. To be separated, to be consecrated. We can find it in the scriptures. As Paul would speak about it, Romans 12, he would say, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So there's a people to in this day that's to be a living sacrifice or that's to sacrifice their beings or their thoughts, their wills, their wants, amen, to the things of God. And I, I'm thankful to be one of those, amen. And we can also see it in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 9 says, For who has saved us and he has called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Amen. So there's a people with a holy calling that's not called by who they are, by what their last name is, just because you've got a certain last name that, not, that did not give you this calling, but it was given by the grace of Almighty God. And, and it's a calling to be a separate people because we can read about it in 1 Peter 2. He would say, you are, in verse 9, he said, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you shall show forth the praises of him that's called you out of darkness into this marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but now are the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So there's a people that is upon the earth that's by decree of God, that by the will of God, that they have separated their lives, that they have dedicated their lives, that they have consecrated their lives as a Nazarite was, would, amen, to live holy unto the Lord, amen, to be a living sacrifice. And, and sacrifice, as I said, our own wants and our own desires and what we wanted to be and what we desired to do and all these things, we lay that aside for the goodness of God. Amen. For the will of God. I, I believe that that's a wonderful thing to have that in you to be able to accept the call of God in your life. Amen. I, I know, you know, even in my, as my, in my own self, I, I desired to be other things. I, I desired to do other things, but that wasn't what God had to put in me or the gifts that God had laid there. But God had a calling in my life. Amen. No matter how much I didn't want to do it or I had excuses why I couldn't do it, but God had placed it there by his own choosing. Amen. And, and, and so he also has a people here that you have been placed or you have been put by his choosing. Amen. It wasn't your choice or what you wanted to do necessarily or what you thought you was going to be. Maybe none of you 20 years ago or maybe even five years ago had ever thought you'd be sitting on these green pews here tonight and, and listening to the word of God. You had your mind in a different place and, and, and your life was going a different direction. But God chose you and God placed you here and God put you here. 
here. Amen. And so when God does that, there ain't nothing the devil can do about it. He can come against you. He can t- try to do whatever, but you have been chosen by God. I- I'm thankful to be chosen by God. So we have been put or brought into a covenant with God. It's a vow, amen, a, or a solemn promise. And I, I want you to understand this promise or this vow. See, to God, a vow is not just words. It's not just uh, just empty, uh, just to say, that I'm going to do this. Maybe even this year, you know, you said, I, I'm going to make a new re- year's resolution. I'm going to do a certain thing. I'm going to buy a certain thing. I'm going to be a certain way. I'm going to eat a certain thing or not eat a certain thing. We all got all these resolutions, and sometimes they last a month. Sometimes they last a few hours. Sometimes they last a year. And sometimes you can, maybe you can carry them over to the other year. But amen, many times they're just empty words or empty things that you just speak, but there's nothing there to follow through with it. And, but to God, a God is a vow is a solemn promise, but it's not just words. Amen. To God, there has to be something that comes and confirms the vow. Amen. And so, you know, even when a man or woman promises himself to each other, it should be more than just words. Amen. When they stand up here and they take their vows before the church or, or, or whoever it's before, amen, it should be more than words. It's, it's a love. It should be a love affair. It's not a one-sided affair. It's still death do us part. Amen. It's not, it's not till we consider the other dead, amen, but it's till death do us part. But you're saying I'll die before I break my promise to you. Amen. So you're putting your life in the vow. Amen. You're saying, I'm going to do this and it's till death do us part. So it's our life is being placed in the vow. And with God, he would always place a life in the vow. It wasn't just a word. It wasn't just a saying. It wasn't just something out of the blue. It wasn't just some words off of his lips, but he would put something there. He would say it in Genesis 3 and verse 15. He said, I will put enmity between that thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed and it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel there was a vow that was given but God came and he came human amen came in a human form and he put his life and he confirmed the vow to you amen he put his life in the vow he put his his whole self he would lay his life down inside of it it was love that would cause him to leave all of heaven and and come down and be a man so he would lay his life in the vow to redeem you and bring you back to him. So, amen, when he put his life in it, he's not going to walk out of it. He's not going to change his mind about it. He's not going to say this is too hard and I can't go on with it. He's going to keep his vow to you. Amen. You may break your vow with somebody. Maybe even this year you already broken a promise or, or through the years you've broken promises. You've said things. Amen. But if you would put your life into it, I'll die before I, before I will, before I will not fulfill my, my vow. This is what God said. I'm going to lay my life in the promise. Therefore, it's not just empty words. It's not just letters upon a paper, but there's a life that has come down and confirmed the vow. I've renewed it to you. I've given it to you. The promises that I make, I won't break them. The promises that I make, I will keep them. And I'm not going to turn my back on you. Amen. So we can look. (coughs) Excuse me. 
And so he's going to keep his vow. He's going to fulfill every promise. He's going to come back like he said he would. He's going to fulfill his vows of healing and deliverances and, and all those things. Why? Because he put his life in the vow. I'm trying to stress that because, amen, we make a promise to God, but we don't, or many times we're not willing to put our life in what we promise. Come on now. And this is where we find Samson. You know, Samson, you know, started off in the right direction. And many, many start off in the right direction. But the question is, is not where you start off in the right direction. It's ending in the right direction. And this is where Samson, he started off right. He, he started off in the right direction. You know, we, we could call him a mighty man of valor. He, he had very, very many mighty battles. It was incredible the things Samson done as a Nazarite. He would, he would take a jaw bone and kill a thousand he would he would rip a lion's heart or a beast apart and and it would try to attack him he would carry gates and upon the upon, upon the top of the hill he would he would do all kinds of things amen under this nazarite vow and he started off right he started off in the right direction he started off on the right foot keeping the commandments of the lord and as long as samson followed the lord the lord used samson but for God can keep anyone or use anyone that will follow after him. He will, but when they turn aside from the things of God, God can't use us any longer. When we walk after, but when we walk after his commandments and we stay in the word and we stay in the Bible and we stay in true worship, we stay in the things of God and stay in his promises, God can use that person. But when you turn aside from that, amen, God will not no longer use you. I don't care how smart you are, how good you can put it all together. If you turn away from the things of God and God's word and the vow, God will no longer use you. Amen. We can see it in the church. God used the church for so long. Amen. But she began to turn after other things until God said, I can't even use you no longer. I I can't even use the things that you represent. He said, see, Satan makes a very outstanding, or Samson, you makes a very outstanding representation of the church today. When the church started, God used the church because it walked after the commandments of the Lord. But when they stopped walking, God was done with the church. Amen. And he said, see, I see, and this is Brother Brown, I'm speaking to the Pentecostal part right there, actually he's preaching this actually in Jeffersonville, but he mentions the Pentecostal move a lot. He said, there's such a weakening amongst the church. Toward, was toward the things of God. They, they allowed things to begin to slip. They, once things they used to hold on to dearly and, and the worship and the praise and the amens and, and the thank you lords and, and the works of God, they begin to let that all go. And, and he, begin, he tells you, they begin to let formalism come in and, and other things take the place of the real movement of the Holy Ghost. Amen. He said, see, there's a weakening. He said, I want you to understand, we are not on a picnic, we're in a battlefield. Amen. But don't forget, God's made a vow with you. I'm going to be with you no matter where you're at. No matter what situation you find yourself in, no matter how bad it may seem, no matter how terrible the week's been, you've been going through it, don't matter. He said, I'm going to be with you. And he made a vow to you. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. 
That is a vow. That is a promise. Amen. And he put his life into it. He said, see, we, when we become a Christian, you know, they think that's all you need to do. That settles it forever. And, you know, and there we're Christian. Everything's going to come easy. He said, don't ever get that thought in your head. He said, for when I became a, become a Christian, I, be, I became a Christian to fight. Amen. To fight the good fight of faith. I became a Christian to get in the battle. We are Christian soldiers. We got to be trained. We got to know what the enemy's doing. And we got to fight him on every avenue he tries to come in at. Amen. And this is where we're going to have to be in this year that we're going on. Amen. We're going to have to fight for worship. We're going to have to fight for atmosphere. We're going to have to fight for our homes. Daddies, you're going to have to fight for God to move in your midst and, and to come and heal the sick in your house and, and save the lost in your house. You're going to have to fight for it. It's not going to be an easy thing. Listen, we are in a battlefield. Amen. We think we can come on just any service and, and we can just have an awesome atmosphere. Yeah, we can, but you're going to have to fight for it. You're going to have to press through the bad day and press through the darkness and, and press through the anxieties and the fear. Amen. And press through it. Amen. When a preacher comes to deliver a sermon, he, always, he don't always feel anointed. He don't always feel like he's maybe hitting the right spot and, and he's been searching. And he don't know what's going on and things around him this way and that way and everything's pulling at him. Amen. Sometimes he don't feel it, but he has to press. He's got to fight through it. He's got to push through it until God begins to anoint and God begins to move. And it's the same way with every person that comes through those doors. The fighting is not just to the preacher. The fighting is also to you. You're going to have to fight to raise your hands. You're going to have to fight to let an amen come out of your mouth. And, and it be more than just a nod and say, yeah, we're having a good time. No, I'm here in the battle. And I need a God in my battle. I need him to move in a miraculous way. And I'm going to fight. And I'm going to push back the darkness of Laodicea until angels can move among us. Hallelujah. Hey Amen. We're, we're Christian soldiers. We ain't wimpy soldiers. Hey Amen. Hey Amen. If you're a wimp, this might not be the sermon to show up to. Hey Amen. Hey Amen. Said we were, we're, we're God called people, God chosen people, been placed here for a purpose. Amen. We've made a vow to God. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to die for you. I'm going to give my heart to everything that I got. Amen. That ought to be every day of our lives. Amen. As Paul would say, I die daily. He puts his life in the vow every day. I'm laying my life down. I'm laying my will down. I'm laying my wants down. I'm laying my desires down. I'm laying tomorrow down. I'm laying next week down, this year down. Lord, I'm laying it all down to you. Right. <laughs> Samson did real good. He was a great man, Brother Brown said, until he began to scallywag around. <laughs> began to get off of his territory. He said, begin to flirt. Begin to look into the world and the things of the world. 
He says very similar to what the church done. Now, when I say church, I want you to understand it's more than just uh, 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 whatever we got here, 150, 200 people. It's more, I'm, 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 when I say church, I want you to think me individually, okay? Amen. It's, it's more because we get this idea, well, it's the church, and it is the church, but we're going to go in the rapture as a body, but also individually. Amen. Amen. It never, he said, it, he said, that's what the church did. It never, you know, it began to flirt. It began to move off. He said, one of the things, one of the greatest mistakes is when the church began to do things that wasn't right, like Samson, it began to keep bad company. Amen. You know, one way to discern motives and objectives of a person is to see where they go for advice. Amen. If they go find a sympathizing spirit, that'll tell them what they want to hear instead of what the Word says. Amen. It does matter what company you keep. Amen. It matters who your advisors are. Amen. It matters, amen, that you, that you know who you're with and, and who you're fighting with and, and who's on your side and what's moving around you. It matters. Samson, as long as he was in the company of the Lord's people, he did all right. You know, that's why I have a hard time understanding believers who have more, they're more comfortable having their neighbor over all the time or this one over, some job guy they work with over instead of believers. It makes, it makes me wonder what's really going on there. When they get to flirting with bad company, then he got in trouble. He said, that's the way it is with the church. Now, church, me. When the church follow reverently and daily after the leading of the Holy Spirit, God blesses them. Yes. Miracles and signs and wonders followed the church. But when it begin to go after the company of the world, then the blessings fall off. If you want God's blessings, follow after the leading of the Holy Spirit. Well, I need him to bless my home. Are you following him? But man, he says, but what happened? Men begin to compare or copy what the world does. Say the things they do. Make the success the way they make a success. He said, we will never be a success doing anything the world does. We can only be a success as we, as we follow God's word and his way of doing things. He said, the success of the church lies within the preaching of the gospel. It lies in the power of God and the demonstration of the spirit. That is the success of the church. That is the power of the church. The secret power of the church is the Holy Ghost. The secret power of your life is the Holy Ghost. Every blessing you have, amen, comes from the Holy Ghost. Everything you have in this life comes from Him. So there's no need for men to try to take worldly knowledge and to try to please God. You're not going to please God with the worldly knowledge. Amen. You're not going to please God with worldly ambitions. Won't happen. 
Amen. You know, each one wants to try to have all the knowledge. Eh? You know, and it comes and then the knowledge tries to come into the pulpit. And, and it becomes just a political speech instead of a powerfully demonstrated Holy Spirit message. That's a direct quote. Amen. It comes just a political speech instead of a powerfully demonstrated Holy Spirit message that sinks into the hearts of men and discovers the sin that's there. They're trained, well, we get trained for political talks, and we don't need that. Paul said, I don't come with that. I, I don't come with words of man's wisdom. But I come in the power and manifestation of the Holy Ghost. That's what brings the power in the church, the manifestation of the Holy Ghost. Had to bear with me. Amen. But many go off after their educations, and we become educated in the message, and we're highly educated. And we get up as an educated person and begin to deliver our speech, and it don't deliver anybody. People still sit there with pornography in their life. So then we have to put up a, make a 10-step help program, and we become message anonymous. Well, I still got this problem in my life, but you know what? I only got, I got it down to one hour a day. I still got the Holy Ghost, thank God. You ain't got the Holy Ghost. You got an evil spirit. Amen. You've educated yourself too much. Amen. You know, they educate in their ways. <coughs> but that ain't the way the gospel comes. The gospel never come through education. This is why it's important for young people to get the Holy Ghost before they seek after education. Because I can promise you if you get the Holy Ghost before you go to college, you'll have it when you get out of college. But if you don't get it before you go to college, you might come out of college not even believing in God. So the power of God doesn't come through rightly formed speeches. We got, we got icicles in the pulpit anymore. That they, they don't know nothing about the anointing of the Holy Ghost. They don't know nothing about God coming and taking over them. And they're leaving their thoughts and leaving their notes and, and going off on a wonder. And you wonder, where am I going? Not realizing it's discerning the very thoughts and intents of the heart. That's the Holy Ghost. Each one tries to be a little smarter than the other. You know, Methodists did it. And then they, we got the smartest. And the Baptist said, well, we got it. And the Church of Christ, and we got it. He said they, they, they want to handpick them. They want to handpick their preachers. If they're do, as long as they're document, uh, documented with their own certain doctrine, then they'll put them in the church. He said, God can never touch them that way. He said, I want somebody that'll preach to me. He said, I want somebody that'll preach to me that's been handpicked by the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, that's why it's important. A daddy can't give a man a call. Amen, a, a pastor can't give a man a call. It has to be the Holy Ghost in their life giving them the call of God in their life. A call of God is not handed just because your daddy was or your granddaddy was. That means nothing. What, it, what means something is the Holy Ghost has put something inside of you. 
and it gives you a fire on the inside that'll look at sin and not try to come against it with psychology, but come against it with the power of the Holy Ghost because you knew what the Holy Ghost did for you. Because you've been before the fire of God and he's burning out of your life. He says, he said, I'd rather have somebody that don't know the first alphabet, but knows who the Holy Ghost is. But our education, Brother Brandon would use this analogy, we're dealing with it. And you know, when we're talking about education, we're not necessarily talking about going to being a nurse, going to being, but getting head knowledge. You know, and it's all up here, and it's not, not a real revelation of what God's done for you. He said, I picked up this old book one time at a store. And he said, I don't remember who the author was, just a little 10-cent book. But it had some good sense in it. Even though it came across, he said, a little jokingly or cunningly. He said, but I found something in there that sounded like God to me. And one of those little stories started like that, like this. One morning, in a great chicken pen, there was a certain little rooster that thought he had all the knowledge that would ever been known. So he flies up on a box, he beats his little bill against the box four or five times, back and forth flew his head, crowed like he never heard a rooster crow, and he began to scream out to, attack, uh, to attract the attention of the other little chickens. And he said, ladies and gentlemen of this chicken pen, I'd like to speak to you all this morning on some great intellectual educational program we have just designed. And I have required a lot of knowledge in my studies. And he pulls his little glasses over his bill and he said, I've decided we chickens can better ourselves by more knowledge. <clears throat> he said, I can tell you that we, we'll dig and work in a certain pen or hole. We'll find a certain vitamin. It'll make us crow better. It'll give us prettier feathers. It'll make us be better in all kinds of different ways. And he said, them little pullets and little hens looked at that little rooster. And boy, they just cackled and said, isn't he a darling? They certainly made such a brilliant little rooster. He said, it reminds me of some of these here seminary preachers. Such a brilliant man. But there's no, and there's no need of us hanging around with the rest of the chickens. We ought to go with him, they said. Well, after a little fella got his speech finished, there was another little chicken that didn't have such bright feathers, came running out of the rest of the chicken yard. Said, boys, just a minute. I heard a little bulletin on the radio. Chickens went up four cents a pound. We're all going to the slaughter tomorrow. He said, what good is your knowledge going to do you then? <laughs> Listen, you can be the smartest chicken, but you're still a chicken. You can be the most brilliant. You can be the most educated. You can have it all figured out. But if your life hadn't been changed, if the power of God hadn't come inside of you and changed everything, and you laid your life down into the vow, and said, God, I'm going to give you my everything. What good is it going to do? Brother, all the knowledge we can accumulate, what good is it? We're six foot of dirt. We're all dying by inches and by minutes. Our knowledge means nothing. We want to know Him. I mean, you, you can get a canary 
And Canary may think he knows everything. One of them got so educated one time, he thought he'd fly up and talk to a human being. How he knowed all about them. So he began to come up, he come up to this professor, this little canary, and began to speak in his high, polished words. The little fellow batted his eye and turned his head. He could see the professor. He had ears. He could hear him. But of course, he didn't have no idea what that professor was talking about. He's got a canary brain. He's just a bird brain. That's all he's got. He hasn't got a human brain. So we, he can, can't think like a human, and neither can a human being ever think like God. You'll never have him figured out. You'll never understand why he does certain things and why he allows certain things. We're humans. We can't see what he sees. Maybe if we was from where he's at and his perspective and his all knowledge and the things that he knows all knowing, we could understand why he would take a life when he does or why he does this when he does or why he did this. or We'll understand it all by and by. Amen. But for now, we, we can't come to that moment. <clears throat> he says the reason people go and join organizations or substitute a handshake instead of the new birth is because they're trying to bypass the new birth. What is it? When the new birth, you're actually having to lay your life into the vow. In the others, you're saying, well, my life is this, and I've got this, and I've got this figured out, and I've got a mind for this, and I've got this going on. They're afraid of the new birth. And Brother Adam, we make the statement, he said, I'm afraid Branham Tabernacle is getting afraid of it themselves. We all know about a birth. It doesn't care where it says, in a pink decorated hospital room, or in a birthing stall, in a calf stall. It's a mess, but are you going to have to lay yourself down to ever receive it? Seed, an old potato, a potato seed. You take that potato and put it in the ground until you can have new potatoes. You can't have them until that one begins to rot. Something put in the vow. A corn cannot produce new life until it dies. A man or a woman can never have a new birth until their intellectuals and their own self is rotten, dead, and die dead at an altar somewhere, he says. Scream, get all messed up play, to the place the starch gets out of your collar and you're born again by the Spirit of God. He said, I don't care then if you squall, speak in tongues, jump up and down, flop like a chicken with his head off. You're bringing forth new life. Yes. You've laid the old man down and now you have a new man again. Yes. But Delilah knew Samson had power. And Satan knows the church has power. And he's trying everything he can to, to bring it, to, to, to take it from her. Seek it out wherever he can find it. Organize it out. Bring the intellects in until there's no more moving of the Holy Ghost. Trying to find the source of power. He says, the Catholic Church done it. They, they moved and said, we will organize, organize. And said, but the Philistines upon thee. And Luther came out, organized again. And if you'll bind me with another cord, it'll hold me. And they did. The Philistines are upon thee. And Wesley came out. 
He said, what's now we got? He said, we've got the Pentecostals, big doctors of divinities for their pastor. Just as much a school and ritual as the Methodists and Baptists are, or the rest of any of them got going to church, you can't hear an amen. Just as cold as a bunch of Eskimos off the North Pole. Hope that didn't fit any message churches. Cold as a bunch of Eskimos right off the North Pole, indifferent. The Philistines are upon you. But where's our power? Where's our glory? What is it? He said, we went after the wisdom of men instead of the power of God. And the message realms are doing the same thing. After men's ideas and men's creeds and and psychology and whatever they can come up with. Because they're trying to bypass the new birth. They don't want to lay their life in the vow. They're afraid of how it's going to make them act. They're afraid of what it might do to them. They're afraid, amen, when the Holy Ghost falls upon them, they may speak in tongues like they did in the upper room. They're afraid of it. And so they want their own way. They want their own ideas. And they want to say it's this or that and the other. He said, see what happened. He said, it's come to the place that preachers are so stiff and starchy till they've organized us till we're so stiff and starchy. Oh, now we see the problem. Stiff and starchy people means there's a stiff and starchy preacher. Hello, somebody. (laughs) You'll never hear anybody cry. The mourner's bench is put in the basement. We don't want that no more. There's no more glory in the church. All we do is sit back just as stiff. We're not free. We're bound. He says the devil with his modernistic demons has bound the church of the living God. There's no more power. There's no more freedom. The people are starchy and stiff and God can come right in their midst. And they not even recognize it. Or they call it fanaticism. Or they call it emotional workup. Well, let me ask you this. When Jesus was invited to Simon's house, and he sat in the corner with dirty feet, we know the story. Simon, with all his intellects, Simon, with all his pomp and all the things around him, he let Jesus come in and sit with dirty feet. But there happened to be a little woman that recognized who he was. And you know the difference? She was willing to put her life into the vow. She was willing to let her hair down and and wash his feet with her hair. She was willing to put her body into it. She was willing to put her flesh into it. She was willing to put her life into it. This is the only way you're going to get anything from God. Is you have to say, God, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to receive you. Philistines Simon would look at that and he would call it that's a bunch of emotional workup I'd say it was emotion she cried until there was enough tears to wash his feet That's emotion if I ever heard of emotion. 
Well, Simon, though, with his critical spirit, because he's stiff and starchy, and he's looking at that, and he's wondering, well, and I'm telling you what, if God knew what kind of people that was right there, God knew who she was, he knew who she was, he wouldn't allow that all to happen. And he's in his heart making fun of it. And looking at it and, and saying, it's just a bunch of emotional, a bunch of fanaticism. This, this woman's crazy. She lost her mind. She, she's standing on top of her, uh, letting her hair fall down. And tears are flowing. And she's, she's crying out, hey, what, what's going on here? And Jesus said, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. I want you to understand something. When you're willing to put your life into the vow... When you're willing to lay your life down, you don't have to worry about being the voice to your enemy. He will become the voice to your enemy. Amen. He became the voice for her. And he said, Simon, I have something to say to you. We ain't got to respond to the critics. We ain't got to respond to all that nonsense. God will show who's who. But the devil... Has wooed the church and is wooing them. Come to me. I'll give you, I'll give you a little better service. I, you, you know, get rid of that fanatic preacher you got. Get you a good Dr. Divinity and well, some big nice place. and You'll be like the rest of them. He said, shame on you. He said, I'd rather have a man who don't know split beans from coffee, but was filled with the Holy Ghost. That was uncompromised. I mean, thankful for that kind of preacher. It might rip the hide off of you. It might feel like you come to church and you went all the way down a razor blade. And you feel like you're bleeding all over. But thank God he didn't compromise. Thank God he came and he preached the truth to me. And I needed to hear the truth. Because it's a truth that will set you free. It ain't some man's theology. It ain't man's ideas that's going to do it. It ain't psychology that's going to do it. It's the truth that'll set you free. He said it's gotten so starchy to some poor saint can break through in a meeting, speak in tongues, shout a little bit, do something. The rest of them gander around, look, and say, well, what in the world was that? Must have been a fanatic drop in here somewhere. He said, you know, that's the truth. Some poor saints step in, get happy enough to raise their hands and cry and praise the Lord. Somebody holler amen to the preaching of the gospel. Rest of, rest of them turn around and see, what, what, well, who said that? He said, what's that? He said, that's the Pentecostals. What's the matter? You've patterned after the Methodists, after the Baptists. They pattern after the Catholics. The Catholics pattern after hell. But Delilah's wooed them. Well, you know, if we can get a, you know, if we can get a millionaire in the church, if we can just get him to come to our congregation, man, we could have some stuff. Brother Brown said, if he owns 40 Cadillacs, whatever he's got, if he isn't born again, he don't deserve to be here. I don't care if he's got a million dollars. He's got to be born again. He's got to lay his life down. Come right down to the new birth and be regenerated by the Holy Ghost. And come out of here with a new birth, snotting. Yep. All right. 
Come on now, snotting, crying, screaming, carrying on like the rest of them did and live a life afterwards to prove he got it. That's what you need. I get, I get amazed, you know, people want to point out those that danced and shouted and, you know, they didn't get nothing, they're right back to the altar again. But they don't ever point to those that don't dance and shout and still living in pornography. Still smoking and drinking, still doing all kind of nonsense. They don't like pointing that out because that goes against their education. Amen. But see, amen, just because somebody did dance and they back, to, they back in sin, that don't mean somebody did dance and not get the Holy Ghost. Or somebody didn't get the Holy Ghost and dance. <clears throat> People... He said, see what's happened. People were screaming out for revival in our day. He said, how can anyone have a revival when they're bound? We bound the Holy Spirit with our organizations and traditions. And we can't have a Holy Ghost revival. And he said, I know, it scorches. He said, but how can we have a Holy Ghost revival when we are so bound and starchy? He says, the form of godliness, the Bible said they'd have it, but they would deny the power thereof. The power of what? The power of organization? No. The power of, of uh, intelligence? No. Education? No. They deny the power of the Holy Ghost. He says, what? He said, the power of the Holy Ghost is the secret place. In the church. That is what we got to fight for church. Is to keep the Holy Ghost moving among us. It doesn't matter what a critic says. Or what anybody else says. Don't let that damn up. Amen. The moving of the Holy Ghost. Don't let that get in your mind. Where you're not free to worship him. And you're not free to glorify him. And you're not free to give God praise. And to live for him. And to rejoice in his presence. Amen. We have a right to do those kind of things. That is a secret place. The church adopts educated preachers. Instead of the old-fashioned Holy Ghost. He says, try to go. He said, try, hey, how are you going to have a revival? He said, when people quench it and they bind it because they're afraid of it. That's where the troubles lies. Amen. The Philistines are upon thee. He said, what happens? You see, then you see, amen, when the, when the Holy Ghost power of the Holy Ghost is kept out of the church, then what do you see? You see worldlyism creeping in. Amen. When it's kept out of your homes, what do you see? Worldlyism creeping in. Amen. See, he said, what happens? You have exposed your secret. You've exposed the, the God that moves among you. Amen. How did you let it creep out? And you, and you trade out a good, powerful worship for formal worship. It's the questions he's asking.
God can come right down and perform a miracle and go right down to the audience, heal the sick and the afflicted and do signs and wonders, preach the word as hard as they can by the Holy Ghost. And people say, well, I guess that's all right. We enjoy listening to it once in a while if we're not too tired. He said, the Philistines are upon thee. Sorry. This is why people, you know, they get gripey about long services. And people make fun of our services. Well, y'all have long church. Well, y'all have church the way you want to have church. We have church the way we want to have church. Amen. You know, I, I get sick and tired of people making jokes about it. This is a secret place. It's where I find my strength. When the Holy Ghost can fall among us and cleanse out worldliness and cleanse out thoughts and things I've dealt with and the pressures of this world, this is my secret place. Philistines are upon you. You know, while we're here, we're going to just stay. People want to say something about a long church service and they don't think nothing about watching a two hour movie. You know why? Because the Philistines are upon you. They don't think nothing about watching a two-hour ball game, sitting on the stand four hours, whatever. They don't think nothing about it. Put it into shopping for four hours. Oh, they got some brothers saying amen right there. But church, mm-mm, preaches too long. Got this problem over here. Got this to go take care of. The Philistines are upon us. Going to have to fight. Yes. Going to have to fight to stay awake. Yes. <laughs> hey, I understand, man. This is a good place to take a nap. It's peaceful. Come in from a hard days of work and you just sit down and, man, or whatever it is you've been doing, pressures of all kinds. It can be Sunday morning, don't matter. <laughs> it's so peaceful brother Timothy my eyes just get so heavy you got to fight if you want to get anything out of a service you got to fight because there there's spirits of every kind that's trying to come and rob you from your moment rob you of your strength rob you from your moment to receive strength I promise I ain't got the COVID. (laughs) He said, how can people get a revival when the regular revival giver is bound? God won't come anywhere where the world is. You can depend on that. You let the world creep in and go to acting like the world, you're finished. But when you will cut loose of every fetter, and you'll come to God. God will use you until you go to flirting again. See, Samson was bound. He says, but got his hair cut off, his eyes put out. He said, but oh my, new shocks of hair started growing out again. He says, God, listen to this prayer. And this is the kind of church I want to be. 
He said, God, send us another church just before the end time. Just before the end time. That the power of the Holy Ghost can come into her and the demonstrations of the Spirit. Mark 16 can flow through that church. Acts 2.4, Acts 2.38. All of it will be flowing right along with the church. Signs and wonders accompanying that church. Great signs of His resurrection among them. And while we're in the prison, surely God has another group of hair growing out of somebody. He said, somebody's growing another group, another shock of hair. He said, may it be you, my Christian friend. May it be your strength. It's coming again. He said, I pray out of this land, there'll be somebody, this message will help grow some hair, grow some power that'll stand against that formal devil. That'll stand against psychology and stand against the spirits of hell that wants to bind the worship of the church. That they'll grow a spiritual power back into the church again. We can see, we can see Samson in Judges 16, 22. He says the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. And the Lord of the Philistines gathered them all together to make a sacrifice unto Dagon. Our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. And the people, when they saw it, they praised their God. Our God has delivered our hands. Our enemy, the destroyer of our country, which slew many of us. And it came to pass when their hearts were merry. They said, call for Samson that we may, he may make a sport. And they called him and set him between two pillars. And Samson said to the lad that held him by the hand, Suffer me, that I may fill the pillars upon the house standing, that I may lean against them. The house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there. And there were upon the roof about 3,000 men and women that beheld while Samson made sport. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me. I pray this once, only this once, O God, that I may be once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars where the house stood, and it was borne up in one in the right and one in the left. And he said, What? Let me die. He was now willing to put his life into the vow. Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might. And the house fell upon the lords and upon the people therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than when he slew in his whole life. Brother Branham said it like this. He said, my, they had punched his eyes out. And he said, Lord, revenge me for my eyes. What was Samson thinking? Listen to this right here. There was a possibility. A possibility, perhaps, that Jehovah is full of love. He might possibly hear me. Oh, I wish I could get Samson to wake up tonight. That there is a possibility. There is a possibility of true worship. There is a possibility of the Holy Ghost moving and cleansing lives and saving young people and renewing the strength of old folks. There is a possibility. It's 
full of love, forgiving the iniquity of his people from generation to generation, showing mercy to thousands to him that love him and keep his commandment. There is a possibility. He said, oh my, if we can only see this great Holy Spirit. But because of walls, we've allowed to be built between us and God. You remember... I'm going to get down to something right quick before we close. You remember what it felt like when God first came and swept over your heart. And he scoured you out and he forgave you and he set you free. Yet some of you today are bound with bitterness and blinded by things. And you went off after other things. But there is a possibility that tonight you can lay it all down again and renew your vow before him and say, God, I want to relight my candle. I want the restoration of joy to come back. I want joy unspeakable and full of glory again. He knew there was a possibility because there was a God who was real. He knew there was something real. You know, there's a word that's being used a lot today in the realms that we live in. Trending. How many's heard that word trending? Trending on social media, trending to... How is your life trending? What direction is it going in? Is it going up? Are you moving into higher heights? Or deeper depths? Or are you kind of waning off of your love affair with God? Only you know where your trending is. You say, well, what, what, what do you mean, Brother Timothy? God is looking for somebody that's willing to put their life in the vow. This is why people, young people don't get what they really need sometimes because they're not willing to die. They want the Holy Ghost. They want the Holy Ghost. But they're not willing to whatever it is, Lord. Let me put my hands on the Old and the New Testament. And let me die with my enemy. I don't want to live like this no more. I don't want to live blind no more. I don't want to live bound no more. I want to live in the joy of God. I want to live on fire for God. Is your life trending towards the cold? Man, it shouldn't be. Not in the time we're living in. God is looking for somebody that will yield to him. This is what Samson did. He yielded his strength. He yielded his heart. Brother Brandon would say he would yield his strength to God, but he would yield his heart to Delilah. But at this last moment, he was willing to yield everything. Say, God, I'm here. Between the Old and the New Testament, let me die. Let me renew my love for you. Let me renew my want to serve you more and to love you more and to give more of my life to you. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Musicians can come. Sorry, my voice is weak tonight.
there's a possibility. Can't really get to some of the things. Samson was willing to pay whatever the price to have that power of God back in him again. What do we have to do? Make up your mind. Let, let, let your worries and your ideas and all that. You don't alter God's word to you. You alter yourself to God's word. Not my will, but thine be done. If you'll start pushing against those pillars, start pushing, God will open up things to you. A renewing, a refreshing, a refilling. Maybe in this new year you say, Lord, I want to renew my vows to you. I want to lay my life all over again down in the vow. Let be your hand up to him tonight. Say, Lord, that's me. I want to serve you more than ever. Love you more than ever. Lord, I, I want my life to be trending in the right direction. Going in the right direction. Moving in the right direction. Moving towards home. Father wasn't able to really preach this tonight. Thou knowest, Lord. We ask, Father, that you would just take the words and touch hearts and lives, Father. Lord, don't ever let us become some formal, cold morgue, Lord, to where we don't even know what it is anymore for the Spirit of God to move. May that be for every individual and for this church as a whole. May this building here always be full of the praises of God and the amens and the shouting hallelujahs. The Spirit of God moving freely among us, Lord. Lord, we lay our lives back in the vow, renewing to you, Lord, our lives again, placing our life in your hand. Wherever it may lead, may whatever it may, we may go, as long as we're led by you, Lord, that's all that matters. Granted, Father, we pray. We commit our love to you once again, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing together. We're...